0: Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita.
1: Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free passive investor's guide. Also, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now let's get into our show.
2: Join us at the Asset Management Virtual Summit on September 24th through October 4th. It's a 14-day content-packed event for multifamily operators and asset managers with over 1,000 attendees and over 30 amazing speakers. You will hear from experts about investor relations, maximizing revenue, building systems, KPIs, and so much more. Go to amsummit2020.com to grab your free ticket. Discover the best asset management strategies all in one place. We'll see you at the Asset Management Virtual Summit.
1: Today, we have a repeat guest, Damian Lupo. Damian, welcome back. How's it going?
3: It's good. I don't know if I like being the repeat guest. It's like sequels, so <laughs> they're really not usually as good as the first one, but hopefully we'll like break that, Okay.
1: No, no, no. It just means that you have a lot of content that we need to cover. So that's awesome. Thanks for being here again. So before we get started, here's a little bit about Damien. Best-selling author of a dozen books on personal finance, investment, and retirement strategies, Damien is on a mission to free 1 million people from financial bondage. Damien has been a professional investor for more than 20 years and has also acquired 150 rental houses in less than five years. Damian is known for his podcasts, Financial Underdogs, and for developing the ultimate investor retirement tool called the EQRP. Today's interview will be on something we have never touched on before, so I'm excited for it. Damian, let's have you take it from here, and could you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do?
3: Yeah, one of the things that I learned many years ago when I had way too many businesses was that I wasn't really making much progress, and I've started more than 50 companies and have been a professional real estate investor for 20 years. What I realized is that if you really want to do something well, you've got to narrowly focus and it's like putting all your eggs in one basket, as Warren Buffett said, and then watch that basket like a hawk. And so now the entire focus is on breaking financial shackles of people by giving them control of their retirement money through the EQRP, because most of our money is either in our house equity, which we can't really eat, and it's in our retirement accounts, which we definitely need to figure out how to make sure it feeds us. And so that's the entire mission of the company is making sure people have access to that money and they're in control and it's not getting stolen from Wall Street.
2: Great. Well, today we are going to talk about the CARES Act, but
3: first let's talk about what the CARES Act is and why it was put into place. The CARES Act was a giant spending bill by Congress. It was done in the end of March, and it was in reaction to the coronavirus to put money in people's pockets and basically stimulate and subsidize Different parts of the economy, whether it was the airlines or the PPP program, which gave a lot of businesses the ability to borrow money and then have it forgiven for payroll. And then they put some massive language in there for retirement accounts that allowed people to tap into those. It was a $2.2 trillion spending bill. And then, of course, that wasn't enough. So they threw in another $484 billion you know, a few weeks later. And there's another one coming up. And mm-hmm. we're going to dig into the retirement money because that was a huge shift. It's allowing people to pull hundreds of thousands of dollars out and do a lot of different things. So that's pretty exciting. I mean, it actually gave us some options I found out today where people that have federal thrift savings plans, which is like a government 401k, those type of plans are now eligible to pull up to $200,000 out, and that's never been an option before. So we can dig into that, but it's very exciting in that respect because it allowed people to get more control and a lot of people are just stuck kind of hoping things work out which is a terrible strategy. It is a terrible strategy. So, how does the CARES Act affect real estate
2: investors or syndicators?
3: Well, there's a couple of things. One, if you've got money that's inside of a retirement account right now, you've got some different options because of the CARES Act. You've got the ability to pull out up to $100,000 as a disbursement, which means normally if you were able to get a hold of your money whether it's a 401k or a, an IRA, If you pulled money out, there was a ten percent penalty if you were under age sixty, and that's if you could even get it. Now, what we've got is we've got an option for hundred thousand dollars that can be pulled out, and you can either keep it out and just do whatever you want and pay taxes over three years, no penalty, no ten percent penalty, or if you want, you can take that and you can roll it over into an EQRP where you have control of it. And if you think about this, if you've got a four hundred one k or a thrift savings plan. Before you were stuck, you couldn't do anything except invest in mutual funds, which are a complete disaster. Now we have the ability to pull this money out and immediately put it into a retirement account that we have control of. And so it unlocked $100,000 of cash or assets that were really trapped. And so that was one chunk. And you can do that from a 401k, thrift savings plan, IRA, EQRP, like it's all you have the ability to pull it out. The other option that we have is the loan. Typically, this is only available with 401ks and EQRPs, where you can borrow up to 50 grand or half of what's in there, whichever is less. The CARES Act changed that. So now it's up to 100000 or all of your money, whichever one is less. So if you had $200,000 in 401k EQRP, you could literally write yourself a check for $200,000 today and get that money and start using it for almost anything you wanted. So the loans, another cool thing is you borrow the 100000 and no payments for 2020 and you don't have to make a payment for a year. And then if you happen to have a loan out from a 401k or an EQRP, any type of retirement loan, no more payments in 2020, you can skip them all. So there's a lot of flexibility to not only get money, but if you have loans out, it reduces your burden for this year and into 2021. What this is doing is it's opening channels of cash so people can actually use that to survive. And at the same time, it's also a huge opportunity because you can start taking that money and go invest in real estate. And if you're syndicating, if you're putting deals together, imagine what you can do when you talk to people hey, you know what? I know you had money in your 401k that's been trapped. Guess what? You can now invest in real estate deals that we're doing. And this act changed that. It allowed people to do that. Before they couldn't do it, they just say, well, you know, when I leave my job, I can maybe do participate. Now they can participate potentially this week.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. Let's dig into both these a little bit more. So the 100000 on the 401k that you can pull out, any restrictions as far as do you need to have at least 200000 in there? Is it only 50% of that? Or if you have hundred grand in there, you can pull it all out?
3: So, on both the disbursement and the loan, it's 100% up to that full 100,000. 100,000 is the max. So, with a loan, if you have 100,000, you could pull out 100,000. It could be a loan or it could be a disbursement. If you have 200,000, it could be both. If you had 150, you could pick. So there's no 50% thing at this point. It's just 100% or 100000 max. And if you already have a loan, you could take another loan out. So if you had a $50,000 loan, you could borrow another 50000 It's really flexible. If you just had an IRA, you could do a disbursement up to $100,000, but you wouldn't be able to do the loan. But really this not only doubled, it probably quadrupled the ability for cash to be taken out and used for all sorts of stuff.
2: Yeah, unbelievable. And then when does this expire? Is there an expiration date? Is there a time where people need to apply and pull this money out?
3: So technically right now, there's September 27th is the date when you have to take a loan and the disbursement has to be done by the end of the year. What we know is that bureaucrats and the Department of Labor and the IRS are always monkeying with stuff And it's kind of like the other parts of the provisions inside the CARES Act. As soon as the CARES Act was passed, then things started changing at a bureaucratic level. And so we don't know necessarily if all the rules are going to be the same. I can pretty much guarantee you they are going to change. So we think it's still going to be September 27th. But then again, this is Congress. And is anything the same year over year? Not a chance. It might not even be the same by July. So it's a good idea for whatever you're going to do to start thinking about doing it sooner than later so that you don't run into a situation where you're stuck and it's just like the rules have changed. Typically, grandfathering happens. And if you've already done something, a disbursement or a loan, the likelihood that you're going to have to undo it is, I would say, zero.
2: Okay. And so what about from a tax
3: perspective? Will the CARES Act allow you to reduce your tax liability at all? Well, it depends on what you're doing. One of the things that you could potentially do is take money out of your retirement account, and then go buy assets that give you things like bonus depreciation. So here's a couple of strategies that are kind of mind-boggling. Because of one of the provisions that was passed with the CARES Act for net operating losses, what this means is that you can potentially take losses in 2020 and go backwards to say 2015, where you had a big taxable income from your company, and you can amend your return and take your losses backwards. So let's say you have losses in 2020 of 100000 and you made $100,000 back in 2015, which by the way, the tax rates were higher back then, you could take these losses and move them backwards. So if you were able to take money out of your retirement account today, and then go buy some type of asset, whether it's real estate with bonus depreciation, or oil and tax, or there's a million things that are going on, and you invested in something like that, if you were able to take those losses, you could potentially get a check from the government for a refund from an amended return from 2015 or 2016. So Getting money out of your retirement account to go buy assets right now, it works. The government wants us to go do things that stimulate the economy, and so- what does that mean? It means you can absolutely go and have the government writing you checks right now if you're willing to use these new rules.
2: Do you worry that these new rules will be used in the wrong way? Meaning, hey, I've got a hundred grand, let's go buy a house or go buy a car or two. And that is stimulating the economy, certainly, but these are savings funds, right? For retirement. Any concern
3: there? Absolutely. I mean, people are going to act irrationally. You know, Most people, when you give them a big pile of cash, they lose their minds. And it's unfortunate. I mean, one of the things that we know, my experience, as you get wealthier and wealthier and you start to not repel money because you actually see yourself as worthy of a certain level of wealth, it's like your thermostat. You don't react necessarily if another 20,000 or 100,000 shows up. But unfortunately, most people are hand to mouth. And so if there's an opportunity to get 50 or 100,000, it's like Disneyland time if Disneyland was actually open. There are unfortunately a lot of unintended consequences where I think people are going to blow a lot of the money and down the road, it's not going to be there. So that's going to happen For people that are going to take responsibility and do smart things, and they're going to have teams to help them, I think this is unbelievable for what people can do with it.
2: Okay. Ultimately, what do you think the CARES Act will end up doing over the next few years for the economy?
3: I think it's going to blow up the dollar. I mean, bottom line is this is a part of a sequence of events where we're just printing, and it's going to stimulate the economy, but it's like giving an alcoholic alcohol to solve the problem. There's a hangover that's involved in what we've been doing with all this printing and stimulating and everything else. So is it going to be effective? Absolutely. Print $2 trillion. It's going to help things until it stops. I mean, at some point there is a hangover and it just keeps getting worse. You know, give a heroin addict some more heroin. Does that solve the problem? No, but it makes the guy really high for a while. And then eventually you come off that. And that's what we're doing. We're just stimulating with a lot more crack. Okay. So where do you see it in maybe three years from now? At some point, there's going to be an ultimate correction. So what I see now is I think that there's a survival because a lot of us have businesses and assets that the rules have been changed on. Nobody had a pro forma thinking about having their assets where 90% of the income is gone. Retail, where you have governors saying you don't have to pay if you're renting for four months, and like in Arizona, there's going to be a massive shakeup. But ultimately, say a year from now, a year and a half from now, there are going to be incredible opportunities those deals are not here yet. When those deals come, most people are going to be trying to figure out which ends up. And then some people, if you develop yourself and you develop the right teams right now, in a year or two, the deals are going to start flowing. It's kind of like after 2008. It took a year or two for the blood to be in the streets and people to go out there and make money. It's coming. There's no doubt in my mind, this might be the greatest transfer of wealth in our lifetime. So I see that happening. And ultimately, I think our currency Is going to shift. And it's like in Bretton Woods, 1944, and then 1971, we had major overhauls of our currency. That's coming. When this much printing is going on, it's going to demolish the dollar. And I think that there's a possibility that maybe China goes back into some sort of partial gold backed yuan. And a lot of these things are going to disrupt all of our norms. So three years from now, I think the world's going to be very, very different. I think universal basic income is a very likely possibility. Mm -hmm. It's being talked about already. So we could have a situation where more and more people are just relying on the government and we have a lot more robotic stuff happening. There's just a lot of changes. And the problem that a lot of people i have heard say, and I don't know that they realize it's a problem, they go, well, I can't wait for it to get back to where it was. Friends, it's not going back to where it was. Yeah, Everything is going to be new.
2: Well, the universal income is kind of being tested on a very small scale here in the United States, right? I mean, that's what the stimulus is, essentially. It is.
3: And when people are saying, here's what's happening, people say, I don't want to go back to work because I'm making more. If somebody was making, say, $3,000 a month and their unemployment is 2000 to 2500 who wants to go work for $500 bucks full time yep. Or they can be at home and not have any stress and just hang out. So yeah, it's being tested. And I think there are going to be some severe, unintended consequences around this. It's this euphoric idea that we can just pass out dollars that are printed out of thin air. It's not going to end well. The social experiment is an interesting idea that's happened in place in like, you know, Norway and Sweden where they do these type of things. And yet in United States, I don't know that that's going to go over very well. So I'm concerned about that in terms of what its long-term impact on society is going to be, but that is where we're heading. There's no doubt about it.
2: Yeah. There's only so many times you can kick the can down the road before it starts to explode. So anything else that you can tell us about the CARES Act that maybe we haven't talked about or shared?
3: One of the other things that if you have any required minimum distributions, those are turned off for 2020. So you don't have to take any of those out. There's a lot of big subsidies. I can tell you that each one of these bills, and Tom Wheelwright, the accountant that has wealth ability, mm-hmm. his show, very smart guy. Each one of the bills is basically focused on certain industries, and in one of the bills that's probably coming out is going to bail out real estate. And so we anticipate these things coming out. There's another surge, and when you get told we all have to stay home again in the fall, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we've printed another ten trillion dollars this year. So. The consequences of CARES are that it started and it's not just CARES. It's that, oh, well, you know what? Now we can print and it's like a free for all where everybody's trying to get a piece. And I don't know if you get this, but I get emails from different groups that I'm part of, lobbying groups that are saying, let's all get together and get Congress to bail us out. I'm like, what in the world? Mm -hmm. You know Who's going to bail out Congress? Because that's what we're going to need. And so I think more than what just was in the CARES Act, it was the start of a tsunami that's going to flood us and ultimately demolish the dollar.
2: Yeah, it's scary to think about that, talking back and forth on that. It's just really scary to think about what will happen.
3: And it is happening. And one of the things that I noticed, I've been pretty heavy in precious metals my whole life, and watching the shortages of gold and silver, there was a time about Mm -hmm. three to four weeks ago where In our vaults with one of my companies, we typically have 50 to to $100 million worth of metals that are available for sale, and we went down to nothing. It was gone. And the spot market is decoupling from the physical, meaning if you see the price in the CNBC or the Wall Street Journal, that number is normally pretty close to what it costs to physically buy gold and silver. Those numbers split apart because there was so much manipulation in the spot, the paper market, and you couldn't get physical metals for a little while that tells us that we've got a problem. And most people don't even realize it's happening. So imagine what happens when people wake up and they go, wow, the dollar's becoming crushed and they want to get gold and silver, not going to be possible to find it. So there are some things that are going on. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people are too busy to be bothered. The smart ones are listening to your show and they're going, oh, okay, I got to do something now when you actually can. So that's awesome.
2: Yep. You touched on it a little bit earlier, but your prediction as far as in the next 12 to 18 months, as far
3: as real estate investing is concerned, I'd say one of the nice things about certain big trends is that they're not going to change because of anything like a pandemic. Meaning when you're talking about multifamily, we're talking about residential real estate. Some things like McMansions, probably not going to be so good in certain areas. Multifamily apartments, we've got a massive shortage for the amount of people that need housing. So that's not going to change regardless of a pandemic. Scary thought, but you'd have to have millions of people die for it to actually have any impact on multifamily demand. So, I like that, and there's certain things that I like. I hate the idea of retail. Anybody that has A and B commercial and retail space, I think those things are in for some major trouble. There's going to be a lot of repurposing. One of the things I've seen a lot of people do, and it's basically been just a very solid, safe place, is student housing. I think that's potentially going to get totally disrupted. I have friends that have fraternity houses they've converted, and they're making six figures a month on the houses. And those things may go to effectively zero if these universities say we're not reopening. So that went from a certain making people rich to what do we do with a giant fraternity house that we've over remodeled? And so I think what's important is to say, okay, we've got a black swan. If we have a black swan land on our black swan, we've got BS squared. Now what do we do with this? That's a lot of BS that's crushing our pro formas and a lot of our assumptions about what to expect. When we think about multifamily, for example, Kyle, you think about, okay, if we have 5% vacancy or 10% vacancy, what if you have 70% non-paying because the government says you don't have to pay? Yep. And, and you're like, do we have the reserves? Most businesses can't even withstand a month or two of dropped income, let alone zero income. So we need to really think about, is this going to get back to normal? Or are we in for a complete rewiring and retooling of the entire system? And I think the latter is probably more likely.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're recording right now in May, and this won't go out till a little bit later, but there's already people filing for bankruptcy, taking forbearance, and going into default. And we're only a month two into collecting rents and the collections have not been that bad. So definitely, if you don't have the reserves, there's definitely going to be people out there that are going to struggle, especially if they're taking advantage of this, this soon.
3: Well, and part of what's fascinating is that there's a lot of ignoring the reality when you say, okay, we're just going to forbear. Or we're not going to count it as default. That's a typical banking maneuver where instead of saying, okay, we have bad debt or something, we just say, oh, well, let me just add the payments onto the back end. And now we can call the loans good. It's what we've been doing with foreign sovereign nations mm-hmm. for decades. We give them money. And then when they can't pay it, we say, don't worry, we'll loan you the money for your interest. And then we call the loans good. And it's a big circle jerk. Like it's not real. And that's what a lot of these forbearance programs are. We're not acknowledging, we're not taking the medicine. Like what we need to do is cut the thing off because we've got gangrenous appendages called bad debt and bad businesses. But Japan seems to think that they can do something like we're doing. They've been doing it for 30 years mm-hmm. where they just aren't willing to let these banks and these different businesses die. So I think that people are going to yell and scream and try to keep things going and fed and subsidized by us and by our sweat and blood and tears indefinitely until the thing collapses because nobody wants to take the medicine because we think, oh, why should we have to feel pain? We're not entitled to that, but people think we are.
2: All right. A lot of great information there. Lalita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Let's
3: do it.
1: All right, here we go. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by asset protection attorney, Wayne Patton. We all spend a lot of time thinking about ways to make more money, but how much time have you spent thinking about legal strategies to protect your wealth? Whether you're a professional, an investor, or an entrepreneur, you are at risk of being targeted in a lawsuit. Wayne is an attorney who specializes only in asset protection strategies, like the use of offshore trusts. If you'd like to learn more about how you can protect your assets, visit mwpaden.com or assetprotection.law. Mention this podcast and Wayne will waive his customary $750 initial consultation fee. Again, the website is mwpaden.com or assetprotection.law or you can call Wayne at 877-727-1092. Call now and get protected today. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without Damien?
3: The one tool is critical judgment, assuming that every deal is bad until it proves itself otherwise.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners?
3: My biggest mistake was going into 2006 and seven, believing that I actually knew what I was doing. So I had, it was either five or seven projects that were all pro forma, meaning I expected based on a spreadsheet that they'd each make me over a million dollars each. Every one of those projects lost me over a million dollars each. You can't possibly overestimate how wrong you can be. And so just understanding that, that's why the first question you asked (laughs) is so important. Assume every deal is bad and what are the different ways it can hurt me? And it's not to be pessimistic, it's to be rational about the things that you can't see because we have blind spots and we have things like a freaking coronavirus that who planned this? Mm -hmm. Nobody had this on their books. So just thinking about that kind of stuff is really important, no matter what deal or what business we're in.
1: What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level?
3: Hanging around bigger, smarter, more... Balder people, and I say that because I'm pretty bald, and
1: it's, <laughs> extremely <laughs>
3: <laughs> to grow. There's a great story that Mark Victor Hansen was talking with Tony Robbins years ago, and he said, Tony, you're worth 400 million dollars. Like, I want to get there, you know. I've got this chicken soup thing, and Tony said, Okay, well, do you have a mastermind? And Mark Victor Hansen said, Yeah, and he goes, well, who's in it? And he goes, like a bunch of millionaires. And Tony said, that's your problem. And Mark goes, what do you mean? He goes, you got to get in a mastermind with billionaires. It's the people that you're around. If you're around a bunch of people that make a hundred or $200,000 a year, and your goal is a million or 2 million, you're screwed because you're going to absorb all of their thinking. Once you get around people that are doing it, it becomes so normalized that you just make decisions. You make decisions faster. Your risk shifts in terms of what you're willing to take on. It's about the influences around you. And we have to be mindful of that. And sometimes it's painful because it means we're cutting people off or eviscerating. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that will probably do more to either hinder or enhance your ability to have success than anything else.
1: Great. Love that. And finally, Damien, where can people find out more about you?
3: Best place to find me is DamienLupo.com. You can check out Financial Underdogs and all the other crazy stuff that I'm doing. But Damien Lupo, spell it any way you want. You'll end up in the same place.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, that was so great. Thanks for all that great content and sharing your expertise with all the listeners today. We appreciate you being on our show again.
3: Always happy to be here. It's good to see you guys. Thanks,
0: Thanks, Damien. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to limitless-estates.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.